Portions of this podcast may not be suitable for children. It's real-life stories and sometimes PG-13. The desire of love is to give. The desire of lust is to take. Author unknown. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Hear true life stories, portable insight, and engaging messages. On this show, we'll think twice about life, faith, and just what could be possible when the two are combined. Broadcasting from the beautiful Great Lakes state of pure Michigan, here's your host, Dan Henderson. Hey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we're going to get real about porn, exposing its lies, confessing our struggles, and learning how to stand in victory. We have three powerful stories that will touch on this topic. We'll also reveal our secret weapon in fighting porn addiction. We simply call it the toolbox. Now, what are the signs of addictions? Uh, They could be mood swings. That could be depression, irritability, and aggressive behavior significant cravings for the drug of choice, along with a constant failure to avoid and abstain from the substance. Also turning to the addiction to use as a coping method for stress or difficult emotions. Now my method for discovering addiction is easy. It's just one question. Has it affected my life negatively in any way? Now that's a serious question you have to ask yourself. Did I lie to cover something up? Has the addiction replaced my natural affections, that of my spouse, children, or my reverence and worship to God? Has it altered the way I view myself? Guilt, pity, self-loathing. Has it altered the way I view my spouse or loved ones? Has it altered the way that I view the opposite sex? If we answered yes to any of those questions, It's time to get real and time to get aggressive about getting out of this mess. Well, wherever you're at, let's get right into our first story. A former porn actress. Yes, I did say actress. The thing we need to realize is that porn is scripted fiction of the worst kind. And it is destructive to our brains and poison to our souls. This story is from a ministry called Triple X Church. You can find them at triplexchurch.com. Let's listen in now. My name is Brittany. I used to be an adult star. I met Rachel several times at the Exotica conventions. I would stop by at the Triple X church booth to see her. She is so beautiful and I absolutely love and adore her. I want to give her the most amazing praise report. Thank you, Jesus. I found him. I'm home. It's been a long seven year journey of porn, prostitution, stripping, drugs, alcohol, and several failed suicide attempts, but I made it. Little did I ever know that I would stumble upon the Triple X Church again since leaving the adult industry. I could not believe my eyes when I realized, wow, these are the Jesus Loves Porn Star people. Then I saw Rachel's picture and I just had to let her know that I'm saved. I want to thank her for all of her kind words and loving spirit. I don't know if she realizes how she impacted me or not, but her being so kind and non-judgmental always felt so good. I never felt love in my life and was looking for it in all the wrong places. It felt great to speak to a woman as beautiful as Rachel, who would tell me that I was her favorite and just to have a normal, non-porn girl talk. Please tell her that I thank her from the bottom of my heart and I will never forget what she has done for me. I will be attending the seminar in September and I cannot wait to see her completely in a different light. I have finally encountered the unconditional love of God and I will never go back. 
Thank you for your time. Sincerely, Brittany. So I got involved with the adult industry when I was in college in Santa Barbara. I began dancing. And um, from that point forward, a couple producers came in and they said that I was beautiful and that I would be great in romance movies. So I went to LA the next day and I shot my very first scene. And um, I felt so loved that day because I was put in hair and makeup, I was told I was beautiful, I was going to be a star. And they sent my pictures over to an adult agency who I was with for about two years. And um, the rest is, is pretty much history, I guess you could say. <laughs> when I was 18, I mean, I, I, they would dress me up like a teenager, like a little girl. And, and they made sometimes two, three scenes a day. Um, you know, I was working, I, I remember working like 60 some days in a row one time. Not only does it leave you feeling drained, but I had to start finding ways to be able to do the scenes because I was so robotic. I was like a rubber Barbie doll. Like, um, I had no emotions. I was plastic. Like, you know, I would get undressed from the outfit I would wear to put on this cute lingerie just to get undressed to do a scene. And it, it led to, I felt so hopeless and, and so empty inside that I turned to drugs yeah. to numb my pain to get me through. I was no longer Britney. I became my alter ego. And um, the drugs drugs and, and alcohol just kind of helped me cope. My whole life I wanted to be an actress. I always wanted to be a model. And they want, they're going to put me on camera. Like, yeah, I'll do it. And I always felt like I had to say yes to everything because I felt like that's what was going to give me that credibility as a star. Wanting to be famous my whole life, I guess, just, just was resorted into wanting to be loved. And I guess I would just tell them that that sharing that side of yourself and becoming so empty and feeling so helpless, like nobody, like like there's just no hope. You dig such a, a hole where you're just in this pit of self-pity. It's just, it's not worth it. The feeling of, of not caring if you live or die, the feeling of, you know what, nobody loves me except for these fans who I'm actually really kind of like disgusted by because they see me in my most personal moments. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I would give it all back. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I am where I am today, but it, it wasn't worth it. All those like lonely nights by myself, like cutting on my wrist and, and just feeling like, what's gonna happen tomorrow? And, and I don't really care if tomorrow comes anyways. Wanting to die, trying to kill myself, spending all my paycheck on drugs, feeling like, oh, well, I made so much money. I just made $1,500. It's all going to drugs. Woo, like, where's the accomplishment? It's not worth it. And I believe that as women, we are worth it. And we are worth love. And we are worth real love. And and you're not gonna get that love from the industry. I just want every, every woman, everybody in the world, but every woman in this industry to feel what real love feels like. Because if they're anything like me, we don't, we don't know what real love is. And, and we were searching, we're searching for it. I feel like there's going to be so many more souls in that industry that are going to be saved. I feel like you guys have been praying. I feel like Jesus is, going to, is, is answering these prayers right now. C.S. Lewis said, Love is the great conqueror of lust. We've created a page on our site that I mentioned called The Toolbox. It's found at thinktwicetv.com toolbox. This page is packed with resources and links that will help you get armed and educated 
on how to stand up and fight. But in my experiences in fighting porn, it also takes love, love of God, a reliance on Him. Uh, we have to return to loving our spouses and our kids more than our selfish desires. It's been said that the greatest strength of a knight, the medieval noble protector, is not his courage, but his love. Because of his love, he finds his courage to stand and fight evil and protect their loved ones. Men and women, we've been given the tools and encouragement to fight. Now it's up to you to take a knee and surrender your heart once again. Start at day one. No more porn. I will love freedom more. I will love God more. I will love my spouse or future spouse more. I will be victorious one day at a time. Our next story is from Daryl. Daryl tells us how he found freedom from porn. Let's listen in now. One of the things at the time I thought was the beauty of this addiction was the very fact that you could hide it so well. Uh, you don't stagger when you walk. Your eyes don't dilate. The you can walk into a group of people and nobody would know. But I quickly realized that's exactly where Satan wanted you because you're only as sick as your secrets. And as you keep that bottled up inside of you, it becomes harder and harder uh, to share that. And I was literally dying inside. I might have had the facade of success on the outside, but I was crumbling inside. I hated myself, I hated my life. I hated what was taking place in my life, and I really thought that I just had no place to go. And when I came to the belief that I was probably going to spend the rest of my life buried in this addiction, I really began to think about losing interest in a long life, because I just didn't want to be there. I was dying inside. Pornography like any other addiction, doesn't just go away. And, you know, I was thinking I could pick myself up by my bootstraps and, and uh, beat this thing. But I couldn't do it on my own. Well, when you're lying to your wife, it's impossible to have an intimate relationship. If you lie to anybody, you can't have an intimate relationship with that person. I tried desperately to separate the family man from the addictive behavior man, and you can't do it. It becomes such a part of your life. I really believe that after I was married, that that acting out would stop. I had a friend, and he was a, uh, a godly man, and someone that had the courage to speak truth to me in love and uh, he suggested that I uh, visit this organization called Celebrate Recovery. And I said, absolutely not, I don't need it. And uh, he was very persistent in a loving way. And I kept putting him off and putting him off. And finally one day he said, Daryl, you're a businessman and we're looking to start it at our church. Why don't you go down and evaluate it for us? Well, I could do that because that was a safe thing for me to do. And so I went down and I took copious notes and I was going to report back uh, to my friend. And we went to this orientation meeting and it was a meeting that changed my life. Because this young man, probably in his mid, late 30s, nice shirt and tie on, very professional looking, he stood up and said, my name is Chip. 
and I'm a Christian and I struggle with pornography. And I'm sure that people saw or heard my gasp when that came out of his lips. I couldn't believe somebody would actually say that. Well, then they started going around the room and I realized that eventually they'd come to me. And I didn't know what to say. And I finally made the decision. You know, I'm never coming back, so I'll just say it. And so when it came to me, I said, my name is Daryl and I'm a Christian and I'm struggling with pornography. At that moment, at that instant, a freedom hit me like I'd never experienced. For the first time in my life, I admitted to somebody other than myself that I had a problem. And never again could I take that back. Well, needless to say, I did go back the next week and the next and the next. God loves you. God didn't send his son to die on the cross so that you can be buried in pornography. He died on the cross so that the life we live here, we can live it abundantly and we can spend an eternity with our Father. Once you tell somebody, I struggle with pornography, you can never take it back. And that takes you out of the denial and leads you into openness. You know, the light comes on the sin and it can never go back into the darkness. My name is Daryl and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who is celebrating my recovery from a 46-year addiction to pornography. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Find original videos, true life stories, and content to help you grow your faith at thinktwicetv.com. It's not just that men are getting hooked on porn. Our next story is from Bree. She stumbled upon porn as a kid. Her parents put a computer in her room. They had no idea what she was being exposed to. Parents, it's vitally important that we safeguard our children's electronic devices. Check the show notes for more links on how to do that, or check the toolbox at thinktwicetv.com toolbox. I was hiding in shame for 14 years, and I honestly never thought I would come out. I had a pornography addiction and it started when I was eight years old. My mother put a computer in my room. No one really knew what was going on behind closed doors. She thought it was just a bunch of games that I was playing or watching, you know, clips of cartoons on, on the computer screen. And certain pop-ups would pop up and I would just kind of click on them. I, I didn't want to say anything. It was embarrassing. And I kept quiet for as long as I could. Growing up, there would be months, maybe even years, that I wouldn't watch it. But I always came back to something. It was pornography. I didn't quite understand it, but it gave me almost like a security or um, some kind of feeling of, of happiness. Everything that was taught to me in Sunday school completely showed me that there was something that, or someone I was supposed to glorify. And these things that I was watching or these things that I was doing at a young age wasn't glorifying God. After I got saved, I still continued to watch this stuff. Every single time I saw it or I watched it, I felt, I felt disgusting, I felt shamed, I felt everything that you don't want to feel. I felt like no one could ever, ever see me in this state. So I, I always put on this facade that I was this great leader. 
I feel like they totally would have thought of me as someone who was disgusting. Like they would be thinking in their minds, Brie is nasty. I don't want anything to do with her. I felt like they would think that I was just unfit for the kingdom of God, unfit to even be Christian. Women watching pornography is not heard of, but it's very, very prominent. I was extremely sure that no one in the world could convince me to come open with my pornography addiction. When I finally, finally got a hold of what God wanted to do in my life, I, for the first time, realized that, hey, I probably should say something. There was a lady who was mentoring me at the time. I called her up, shaking like a leaf, and just said everything that I had been through and cried, probably like I've never cried before. And I told her, look, you can totally kick me out of the church. You can sit me down in ministry, whatever. I know this is what I deserve. And she smiled and cried alongside of me and said, I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much for opening up. I was so surprised at her reaction. There was so much freedom. I felt like I conquered the world. Someone loved me, a side of myself and how disgusting I was. And it was a freedom that I cannot explain that I only knew God through His Son could give me, which was a freedom to break every addiction with pornography. Sin began with a tree with Adam and Eve, and ever since then, all of us have been hiding in shame. But the great news is, is that Jesus died on that tree so that we could be completely freed from it. So maybe you're struggling with a porn addiction or struggling with a vast array of other things, and you feel like, how could anyone ever accept me? Let alone God, like how could God accept me? People in my church express something that Jesus ultimately expresses to his children is acceptance and love. I felt like the woman caught in adultery, like when Jesus came out and, and all, the, all the people were saying, well, look at her, look at what she's doing. Like she deserves death. She deserves to be stoned and killed for the sins that she's committing. And Jesus just said, who of you are without sin, cast the first stone. And when she's standing there, he says, go and sin no more. I'm reminded that Jesus is giving this grace to say, go and sin no more, but he's also telling us it's true. So in my life, he gave me grace, which is, I've died for your sins. You know, there's grace through me in your life. But then there's a truth to help you understand that you can overcome sin by dwelling in my presence and living for me. If you're struggling with any addiction, remember that freedom comes by Jesus and Jesus alone, and He can set you free. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. It's time for the absolute basics of the Christian faith from Seedbed.com. Answering those burning questions like who is God, what is salvation, and many more. So, let's take a bite. The absolute basics of the Christian faith. What is our future? One of the most important questions in life is, what happens to us after we die? Sometimes, when we think about life after death, we imagine floating around like ghosts, with wings up on a cloud where there's a lot of hymns playing and everything is decorated with the color yellow. 
But the Bible teaches that what happened to Jesus after he died is what will happen to all who follow him. 1 Corinthians 15.23 describes Jesus as the first fruits, the first example of what will happen to those who belong to Jesus. Jesus wasn't just raised spiritually in some sense, he was raised bodily. His whole being was raised to life again. After Jesus was raised, he talked with people, walked around, and ate fried fish. What happened to Jesus will happen to us too if we are in him. God will finally defeat the problem of death by raising us to new and eternal life. This is the last step of salvation. In previous chapters we talked about justification, regeneration, sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming more holy so that we can resemble God in the way that we live and represent him well on earth. But our bodies and minds do not resemble God in the way he intended. We're still weak, prone to mistakes, and we're still slowly dying. And the last step is glorification. Glorification is when the full image of God is restored in us. As we talked about in chapter 4, being in God's image means that we resemble God and also that we represent him. When we're resurrected, though, our whole being, body, soul, and mind, will be put right again. In fact, we'll be better than humans were originally. We'll have perfected bodies. What's more, as we heard about in the last talk, God will also redeem all creation. So we'll have a new earth to inhabit, with God's kingdom being fully realized here. So the good news is that everything that happened to Jesus will happen to us, if we're part of his family. But the bad news is, the only alternative to life in Christ is eternal death and unhappiness apart from him. The good future God has for us in the world is a future where we can have right relationship with the triune God, but only those who will let the triune God save them can participate in God's eternal kingdom. The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith from Seedbed.com It's time for a bottle of Bill's Wisdom, a short single-serving message of wisdom from our friend, Pastor Bill Leach. Remorse is served in two flavors, guilt and shame. In Scripture, the opposite of guilt is innocence, but the flip side of shame is glory. Guilt is specific. A rule has been broken, a wrong has been committed. Shame is general. I feel bad about who I am. Guilt is concerned with the negative. The law has been violated. Shame is a sense that I failed to live up to my aspirations or the aspirations of those I love. In many ways, shame is far more devastating. There is, of course, overlap. Telling a lie, for example, brings both guilt and shame. A rule has been broken. To add insult to injury, however, lying makes us feel like a coward. It doesn't coincide with our self-image. Our integrity has been marred. We believe we are more courageous than that. Lying is born out of fear. In spite of the justifications, there remains a nagging sense that something is wrong with me. Guilt is an alarm clock. Imagine if the alarm is never turned off. It keeps buzzing, ringing, nagging, pronouncing just beneath the surface. Guilty, 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 guilty. We realize we are unclean. 
We may psychoanalyze, I have a complex. My parents didn't love me. I'm a victim. I have self-esteem issues. But there's no escaping the fact that we're guilty, unworthy, unclean. If you've committed adultery, you can't say, well, I, I, I just needed relief. What do God's eyes think? If in God's eyes it's a sin, repent and confess. The psalmist shakes himself and he says, hope in the Lord. He himself will come. God himself will come. Not a, not a set of rules whereby we can redeem ourselves, but, but he himself will come and redeem us with his unfailing love. God, with his eyes, sees us to the bottom. He knows everything that's wrong with you. And he's willing, he's been willing, he has given his life for you because he values you like that. The next episode of the Think Twice TV podcast is entitled, Toes in the Water. Maybe you've been dipping a toe into the pool of faith, checking things out, seeing what's real, learning about the Bible. For me, that was my process as well. I knew I needed change, but I wasn't ready to just jump in and abandon my common sense. But then there comes a point when it's time to get wet and we want to experience the full depth of our faith in Jesus Christ. Hey, thanks again for listening. Please share this podcast with someone or find Media Messengers Evangelistic Association on Facebook and help us reach more people. Thanks a lot. This venture is sponsored by Media Messengers Evangelistic Association. Revealing the love and power of God through media. www.mediamessengers.org If you like the show, follow us on social media and please help us reach more people. All our social links are in the show notes.